Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast with Bryce Johnson. It's a show that unpacks sports, faith, and life with intriguing guests from the sports and entertainment world. Enjoy inspiring conversations and thought-provoking interviews. You'll hear stories from people that will inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Now, from the Unpacking It studios in Charlotte, North Carolina, uniting sports fans everywhere, here is Bryce Johnson. Welcome to the Unpacking It podcast, where we unpack sports, faith, and life. I'm Bryce Johnson, joining you for this special NFL preview show as we gear up for what should be an awesome weekend of football, starting with college football on Saturday and then Sunday and Monday night should be fantastic. Today's focus will be on the NFL season as a whole, and so not necessarily focusing in on week one and and this week's matchups, but overall just some of the the, the big storylines and kind of how I feel about certain teams heading into the season. And that way, each week, we'll we'll bring you a Monday recap show where we'll talk about the the weekend in sports, but you'll kind of know where where my thoughts were heading into the season and so we'll be able to discuss that throughout the year and as always I appreciate your feedback and any questions that you may have or or topics that you want us to discuss on this show uh, you can email me throughout the season Bryce at unpackingit.com and let me know your Super Bowl prediction or any uh, of, of my opinions today that you disagree with strongly Shoot me an email, Bryce at unpackingit.com. So I'll give you my rankings of, of teams that I expect to uh, kind of have the best chance to get to the Super Bowl. So we'll, we'll get to that in just a little bit. Also, uh, I want to kind of share what divisions I, I feel most confident in. And so I'll rank divisions as well. And then we'll, we'll discuss you know, the, the topics that everybody's talking about. And, and, and kind of where I come out on that, and then which teams are underrated and overrated heading into the start of the season. Before we get to all that, let me ask you this. Do you need to get your own health insurance? Well, go to healthmarketgenius.com. Know your options. Healthmarketgenius.com. Support them as they support us. So, I'm recording this on Friday, and that means last night we saw the NFL officially kick off, and and what a great way to get things going with the Chiefs and the Texans, and to be able to see Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes as as kind of the the real the faces of the NFL right now, and and I want to talk about this on the show and include Lamar Jackson into that conversation as well, but specifically with those teams last night, I don't want to spend a ton of time breaking that game down but the the big takeaway if you watched it I watched it the Chiefs are still incredible and it made me think about the Golden State Warriors where you just can't help but predict or expect them to get back to the Super Bowl of course injuries happen Kevin Durant got injured and the the Warriors lost to the Raptors a couple years ago and so those types of things happen but as of now and and after seeing one game nobody's on the level of the Chiefs they are loaded 
and even their defense is pretty good now. And, I mean, the number of receivers that they that the Chiefs have and running backs and Kelsey and Edwards Hilaire is the real deal. <laughs> and, and I can't believe it. I'm a little surprised that a rookie running back uh, without preseason or training camp to the extent that, that it normally is or mini camps or rookie camps, without all that, he comes in game one, makes a difference, makes an impact. That's how good the Chiefs are. And, and so what I do want to lead the show off with and normally we'll we'll end the show with a, a faith thought, but when it makes sense to start with it, we'll do it. So in, in speaking about the Chiefs, for today's devotional, I wrote about what took place with Andy Reid. <laughs> Did you guys see this? As dominant as the Chiefs were last night, their head coach wasn't able to see the action because his protective face shield was all fogged up. It was it was cloudy, it was foggy. I don't even know how he was able to call plays or know what was going on. He couldn't see. And for me, I thought this was hilarious. I mean, it was really, really funny. And, you know, I try to understand why he's even wearing that to begin with when all these players and coaches have been taking tests. So it's a little confusing, but I guess there were fans in attendance. And so anyway, but regardless, he had it on and it was foggy. And what it reminded me of, though, for us as a, a spiritual application and an encouragement for us as we get things going today is the reality that all of us go through times where in life things are cloudy, things are foggy, things are confusing. We're, we're looking and seeking clarity. We want to know what to do next. We want to know, okay, what what decision am I supposed to make? What what plan uh, do I need to make? What what next step and, and all that sort of thing, but we find ourselves just kind of stuck or confused and, and wondering, okay, Lord, what do we do? And so my encouragement for us today is that we can find clarity as followers of Jesus as we pursue him and trust him because he's the one who does provide us clear eyes and clear minds. And so I, I found this uh, kind of prayer that, that Paul describes in Ephesians and the, the paraphrased translation in the Message Bible is really good. And so uh, this is what he says, what Paul writes. He goes, I ask, ask the God of our Master Jesus Christ, the God of glory, to make you intelligent and discerning in knowing him personally, your eyes focused and clear so that you can see exactly what it is he is calling you to do. Grasp the immensity of this glorious way of life he has for his followers, Oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. Endless energy, boundless strength. And so, you know, God has so much planned for us in this life and the next. And even though we can't fully understand everything right now, we can have focused and clear eyes to see what he's calling us to do right now. And so if our face shield, so to speak, fogs up when we start trying to do things, uh, if it does, it means that we're trying to do things on our own energy or strength instead of asking him to help us discern what his will is. And so we, we have to be aware of this and, and to really just pray through it. And, and, and I ended the, the devotional this way. We know that a cloudy mind or a foggy vision is no laughing matter. As funny as it was for uh, for Andy Reid. So let's find clarity and discernment through prayer and scripture as God reveals his truth and his will to us as we focus our eyes 
on him. And so that's the encouragement as we start this NFL preview podcast here on Unpacking It. And of course, we always want to uh, elevate our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And, and so we love talking football, but, but that's even more important. So uh, I, I know what it's like to have confusion in life and, and to, to desire clarity, but we can find that as we seek and pray and, and rely on the Lord. So let me know if, if you have something specifically you need prayer about that, that you're trying to, to find clarity on or make a decision on and pray through. I uh, would love to pray with you. You can email me, Bryce, at unpackingit.com. All right, here we go. We'll start off with Super Bowl odds. It's easy. It's obvious. It's the Chiefs. And I lean toward the 49ers getting back there as well. I, I think the continuity that these teams have, I wrote about it earlier this summer, I just think that gives them the edge. And so a lot of things are going to happen this year, a lot of injuries and uncertainty uh, as we go into the season. But to me, the Chiefs and 49ers, they got there last year. They know what it takes. Good coaches. They were able to keep their coordinators in place too, which is huge and very rare and shocking actually to see both Super Bowl teams hang on to kind of their, their core nucleus of coaches and players to be able to pay guys to to not see their coordinators go get head coaching jobs so I go Chiefs 49ers and then it's got to be the Ravens and and Lamar Jackson then from there I actually like the Cowboys I like Mike McCarthy as the the new head coach him being a new head coach is concerning but the fact that he's he's won a Super Bowl and I think the Cowboys biggest change needed to be at the head coaching spot and the talent's there the players are there. He'll get them over the top, and, and I think they'll go deep into the playoffs and, and possibly to the Super Bowl. Then I've got the Minnesota Vikings. This is a team that, across the board, they don't have a lot of weaknesses. Kirk Cousins isn't the best, but he's the kind of quarterback that can still win a Super Bowl. He's probably more in the Trent Dilfer, Brad Johnson category, probably a little better than those guys, but, but in that category. But the defense is good. The running game, whether it's Dalvin Cook or Alexander Madison, either one of those guys, I think, can carry that offense on the ground. I love Thielen. They've added some young wide receivers around him. And the Vikings have been in the playoffs in years past, and I think they'll take a step further this year. The Indianapolis Colts are my favorite team this year. I think they're going to have just a a great improvement. I love Frank Reich, and I love the signing of Phillip Rivers, and I think he gets them over the top. And, and they, they needed the veteran leadership at the quarterback position. I, I just think Jacoby Brissett maybe needs a little bit more time or just as, I mean, the reality is he's just not at the level that Phillip Rivers is and the experience that Rivers has. And so I think Rivers is the difference maker this year. I think it was really tough for Brissett last year to be put in that spot with Andrew Luck retiring so quickly. And it just, it wasn't, he didn't get a fair shot, but the, 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 the signing of Phillip Rivers was a great one, and so I'm all in. If you listen to this podcast, I've probably been talking about it the last few weeks, but I like the Colts this year to go far. I'm also really high on the Steelers. If you listen to the fantasy podcast, I'm all in on the, their players offensively, but Mike Tomlin, Ben Roethlisberger, the list goes on. I've got confidence in those guys. I think they get back to the playoffs. Then I've got the Seattle Seahawks. Again, Russell Wilson, Pete Carroll, the, the continuity. You can trust those guys. They've got the pieces and the weapons on offense. I think they've tweaked their defense enough to, to be competitive and, and be in the mix yet again. 
the Packers. They were one game away from from going to the Super Bowl last year. And, you know, if they take on the, the 49ers, maybe the 49ers defense has figured out how to stop them. So if the Packers can get a different matchup in the playoffs, they might be able to get all the way to the Super Bowl. Uh, but I'm still confident in Aaron Rodgers and love Devontae Adams. Aaron Jones is underrated. I, I think they'll be in the mix, too. Then I've got the Tampa Bay Bucks. I'm not as high on them as a lot of people are, but it's hard to say that the Bucks won't make it to the playoffs because they do have Tom Brady. It might take them a little bit longer. They might lose earlier in the year. Mike Evans a little banged up. And so I'll, I'll put them on this list just a little bit further down. And then right after them, the New England Patriots, which I'll talk about in a moment. But those are the teams that I think have a shot at the Super Bowl that I won't be surprised that they're there, but in that order. So how do you feel about that order? Yes, I left out the New Orleans Saints. I'll let you know about them in just a little bit. But And I left out the Bills, the Arizona Cardinals. I'm not sure how many people have them. I'm trying to think who else I, I don't have on there. Uh, the Falcons, the Eagles. So the, the Texans, the Titans, those, those teams I do not believe uh, will get to the Super Bowl. All right, let's get to the, the top headlines heading into the season. And, of course, the, the cloud hanging over everybody's head is the coronavirus. How does it affect the season? How weird is it without fans? That's the big storyline. I'm intrigued by it. It was weird watching the Chiefs game. Al Michaels mentioned it, that it was like the, the crowd was similar to a blowout game in the fourth quarter where the home team is getting dominated and that's a weird atmosphere not to mention the Chiefs fans booing at the beginning but I'm not going to get into all that there was enough discussion about that today as far as how the the virus and the protocols affect the season is very intriguing and I'm not sure to what extent I did believe going into this year that the the no preseason, the, the no in-depth training camp like normal, all of that was going to be really hard on the rookies. But then Edwards Hilaire yesterday kind of threw that theory out the window, but maybe he's just that special. How will that affect other rookie players? I've gone the other way on thinking that they're going to have a you know really slow start. Not Don't count on them in fantasy. That's been my belief. I could be pro- proven wrong, uh, proved wrong on that. But I, um, I'm very interested to see how the chemistry for, for offenses looks, especially with new coaches, coordinators, quarterbacks, new additions at you know, wide receiver, some of the, the, the chemistry and, and how long will it take offenses to get in sync. That's a big storyline. And, and I'm not after the Chiefs game. Yeah, the Chiefs are in good shape because they didn't have a ton of changes other than the running back position, which I mentioned. But they picked up right where they left off. But you could tell the Texans, Will Fuller stepping up early. He dropped the pass, then finally settled in. But Brandon Cooks, eh, not a great night for him. He's a new addition. So what does that look like for teams uh, across the league? Definitely a storyline to, to watch. And, and then the, the, the two big teams that we're all interested to watch, the New England Patriots and the Tampa Bay Bucks. How will these two teams do? Cam Newton in New England, and Tom Brady in Tampa Bay. I just have a tough time trusting a 43-year-old quarterback, but Brady proves us wrong every single season. But he's he's on a a new team. I I think Bruce Arians is a cool guy, a fun coach. I'm just not sure he's a great coach, and I'm not sure that Brady will be able to ultimately get to the level that he's used to 
without Belichick and understand. Like I think he'll realize just how great Belichick is as a head coach by playing this year with Bruce Arians. That's that's my gut feeling on that. Uh, it's not that Bruce Arians is a bad coach, but I think Brady probably took for granted how well the whole team operated in New England and that Brady didn't have to worry about certain things that that Belichick just took care of that just became so normal it was just part of the the New England team and year after year Brady was good to go well yeah that's cuz Belichick was doing so much and he's he's incredible and he's the best coach so it's not that I don't like Brady or whatever I'm just I don't think it's going to be as seamless that's my gut feeling I could also see game 1 Brady comes out throws it 50 times and throws 500 yards it's possible I I just lean more toward him recognizing, ooh, I had it pretty good up in New England. I had it pretty good. He'll have fun with his new weapons. I get it. I do. But I, I don't know. I just think it, I think I don't think it's as simple or as easy as as some people have made it out to be for him to just go with go to the Bucks. Peyton Manning was so controlling. You know, he took what he was able to do in Indianapolis and go to Denver and you know, he had a year off, of course, with the injury, comes back and and his you know his first few seasons there in Denver were incredible, but he was able to control it all, and that was his personality. I'm just not sure Brady's that same way. I think he fit in very nicely to the system, and not to say that he's a system quarterback, and that's why he's so. You know, I think his talent speaks for itself, but the system elevated that to a big uh, degree. That's that's how I feel about it. Where do you come out on it? Let me know, Bryce at unpackingit.com. As far as the Patriots go, again, Belichick's such a good coach. It sounds like he's going to maximize Cam Newton. And the conversation this week about how unique it is that Belichick is actually praising and complimenting Cam Newton where he didn't do that with Tom Brady, it, it does speak to coaching strategies and understanding different personalities on your team, what buttons to push. Cam Newton needs to be kind of handheld, coddled, encouraged, let him be his personality, let him do what he does, and they've allowed Cam to do that. I'm shocked by it. I'm surprised by it. But then when I think about what a great coach Belichick is and his willingness to adapt, it makes sense. I get it. But I am a Panthers fan in Charlotte. We, we, we loved having Cam Newton here for so many years. It was tough to put up with some of the antics. It was tough to watch him in the Super Bowl. Uh, kind of have a letdown game, a letdown finish, not speak to the media. The towel over the head throughout his career was frustrating to me. The, the way he dressed toward the end was just distracting and confusing and unnecessary, in, in my opinion. Um, but but he's got a big personality, and, and he was a, a, an entertainer. He was so fun to watch for so long here in Charlotte. But I never thought that he would go to New England. I never thought that he'd be the starter. That that he would. I, I even questioned whether he would make it through training camp and actually make the roster. I, I just I, the the fit to me just didn't make sense. But I was wrong, so I'm willing to admit when I'm wrong, and I was wrong about it. Now last season I was right. I knew that that Cam Newton was going to be released from the Panthers, or that they were going to move on from him. Uh, I had that on on pretty good authority, and so I knew last year was kind of the end. But I just I wasn't real confident based on the injury history and and knowing that he needed to go to a locker room where he could be the guy 
and step in and be the guy. And I just I looked around the NFL and I, I didn't see a lot of options for that. And so I, I wasn't sure what was going to happen to him. And I, I just I wrote off him going to New England. I really did. And now that I think about it, though, he's been able to go to New England and be the guy because there is a huge hole there left by Tom Brady where Brady was the guy, and it wasn't like anyone was fighting for that that spotlight in the locker room. Julian Edelman kind of falls in line, and I can't even think of any other big personalities there that, that would cause conflict with Cam. Stidham, we don't know much about him, but he, it wasn't like he was drafted to be the franchise you know, hope and, and this, or we're handing off the reins to Stidham, and, and we know that he's this top five draft pick, and, and we drafted him and signed him. None of that. That was There was some, oh, yeah, yeah, he, he could be good, and maybe he's the guy, but not to the extent that many teams draft a franchise quarterback. So with that said, there was a, 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 an opportunity for Cam to go up there and be the franchise quarterback, at least for this season, meaning he could be the captain, he can be the outspoken guy, he can dance, he can encourage his teammates, be the leader, all those sort of things. There was a spot for him to do it, and if Belichick was willing to let him be Cam, it does make sense. And so now that this is all setting in, as a Panthers fan, it's really weird to now watch the franchise guy, the biggest name to ever put on a uniform, Steve Smith's right there, Thomas Davis, Luke Keekley, all those guys, but Cam's the, the biggest. It'll be interesting to watch him, but also as a Panthers fan who does not necessarily root for the Patriots, and you're probably familiar with the, these feelings if you're a fan of anybody but the Patriots, you root against the Patriots, and now we have to accept the reality that if Cam gets back to his MVP caliber play and he is healthy, there's no reason New England can't make the playoffs and, dare I say it, get to the Super Bowl. That's why I mentioned them earlier. They were at the very bottom of my list, but I do think it's possible. I won't be surprised. I will not be surprised if they do find a way because that's what Belichick does. And Cam Newton, he's shown he's good enough to get to the Super Bowl. Is he good enough to, to win it or put him put in the right situation? Maybe. In New England, it's possible. And I can't believe that we're saying it. it I, I'm going to stop there. But that's at going into the year. I don't think Buffalo Bills should be celebrating just yet. Oh, the Patriots are done. No, I, I don't think so. Not yet. Maybe by week three. Maybe we once the games start, we realize, ooh, this isn't the best fit for, for Cam. Or they don't have enough weapons. And the lack of wide receivers has caught up to them. Maybe. It's not going to be so easy for Buffalo just to walk in there and, and take the reins as the champs in the AFC East. All right, uh, the other thing, the other big storyline, old quarterbacks. I mentioned Phillip Rivers in Indy, Roethlisberger in Pittsburgh, Brady in Tampa Bay, and then Drew Brees in New Orleans. So those are the old elder statesmen, you know, guys of the league, the elder statesmen's, statesmen's. Uh, throw Aaron Rodgers in the mix there. Those guys, who falls this year? Who takes a step back and and who still has it? That's going to be fascinating to see. Then you've got the the three young studs that I mentioned: Watson, Lamar, Mahomes, the face of the league right now. They're the guys. They're the future. They're exciting to watch. They're on good teams. Watson and, and Mahomes have been paid. Lamar will get paid. 
Then you've got the next tier of guys. Will any of these young quarterbacks get to that next level? And when I say young, I guess I'm saying under 30. So Dak, Carson Wentz, Josh Allen, Daniel Jones, Sam Darnold, Kyler Murray, Jimmy G, dare I say Mitch Trubisky and Gardner Minshew. Do any of those guys take a huge step forward? Now, if Trubisky ended up, I mean, he would have to take a monster step. I think Nick Foles will take over for him. But I just want to put those guys all in the mix. Hopefully I'm not missing anybody. But those young quarterbacks who have been drafted in recent years to be top guys, to be franchise quarterbacks, I don't think Jimmy G is on that level. But it's possible in San Francisco. We'll see. They're going to be more of a running team like always with Kyle Shanahan. But I just wonder, will it remain Watson, Lamar, and Mahomes? They'll be the three guys. Will anybody sneak in there to be on their level? Can Dak get there? Possibly. Carson Wentz? Yeah, if he's healthy. Josh Allen and the Bills? Uh, it would be a stretch. Kyler Murray? I just, I just don't buy the size. I, I think he's too small. And then Gardner Minshew, everybody's favorite quarterback. Jacksonville's just, they're, they're a tough team to predict. How many good players will they get rid of as the season goes on? I don't know. But uh, it's going to be interesting to see. So those are the quarterbacks. We'll, we, you know, of course, we'll keep an eye on. Let me. Uh, I don't want to spend a ton of time on this, but but I'm going to run through this real quickly. Uh, it's kind of interesting to to think about. I'm going to rank the divisions. So here's my my confidence level for overall divisions heading into the season. So I think the NFC West is the best, even though I'm not as high on Arizona as some people are. If they're the worst team in that division, that's a good division. The Rams are going to be better. Seattle's awesome. And and then, uh, of course, uh, yes, yeah, so you got Seattle and San Francisco. And of course, San Francisco is you know my pick for the to, to repeat and get back to the Super Bowl. After the NFC West, I like the AFC North because I'm high on the Steelers. I'm high on the Ravens. The Browns are going to be better. I'm not as high on the Bengals, but I don't think they will be the, the worst team like they were last year. Then I get to the NFC South because I do like the the Falcons to be better. I, I like the Bucks to get it going at least at some point and still win a, a decent amount of games, even though I don't buy into the Saints like some teams do or some analysts do or fans do. They're still talented enough to win eight, nine games as the floor, unless it was just a total disaster of a season. I just don't see them on the the 13 wins. But then I also think the Panthers are going to be a tough team week in, week out. And as a Panthers fan, it's fun this year because the expectations are very low. New coach, new quarterback, and I'm just going to enjoy the season. Win, Win or lose, it's about growth. And so it'll just be an enjoyable watch this year. No pressure. Let's just see what they can do. But the offense is good enough to put up points, and so they're going to be competitive. So I still like the NFC South as being a, a tough division, and I, I put them up there too because I don't know who will win the division. Then I've got the AFC South because of the Colts, because of the Texans, and even though Jacksonville will probably be the worst team this year, with Minshew, maybe he'll make it interesting. So I, I still like the other three teams, and because the Titans, Texans, Colts, any one of them can win the division, and two of them could end up going to the playoffs. Then I go to the AFC West. As great as the Chiefs are, there is a drop-off between the other three teams. 
The Chargers will probably take a step back this year, even though offensively, fantasy-wise, I still like a couple of those guys. But they're, they're just, I think without Phillip Rivers, it's going to be a transition period for them. Um, and then Denver, a lot of uncertainty in Denver. Las Vegas, can, can Derek Carr have the confidence needed to lead this team to 8, 9, 10 wins this year? Young wide receivers. It'll be interesting. I like the Raiders, but it's hard to have a ton of confidence in them until they do it. So that's why they're in the middle of the pack. Then I go to the NFC North. I like the Vikings. I like the Packers. The Bears are going to struggle until they put in Nick Foles. And then the Lions, I like their offense to be okay, but now Galladay's banged up, and so it's just going to be tough. And I'm not a big Matt Patricia fan, so... That's why he he kind of brings down the Lions, and then the Lions, well, the Lions are always down, but uh, bring down that division. Then I move to the AFC East. Even though I like the, the Patriots and the Bills, the Jets and the Dolphins are just so bad. So those two teams, that makes that division, okay, there's only two options for who, who wins the division. So that's why I put them there. And then with the NFC East, I do like the Cowboys, and I think the Eagles would be very competitive but the Giants and Redskins are bad. New coaches, young quarterbacks. Oh, I, I could have put Dwayne Haskins in that mix earlier with the young quarterbacks. Uh, I'm not as high on him either. But I, the Giants, Daniel Jones, Saquon Barkley, the receivers are pretty good. I just think they have a ways to go, and, and the jury's out on them. So I think the NFC East is the worst division this year, even though they'll probably be talked about more than most because <laughs> everybody loves talking about all four of those teams so those are the the rankings for the divisions let me know where i'm wrong you can email me bryce at unpackingit.com uh real quickly the the teams that i believe will make the biggest jump this year the colts the browns and the steelers the colts won seven games last year i think they'll win at least 10 browns won six last year i'll say they'll win at least nine Steelers won eight last year. I think they I think they could go as high as twelve, uh, but at least ten. The teams that fall back, the Saints won thirteen games last year. I think they'll it'll be more in the eight to ten range. Um, so you know it's only three games, but they're the one team that I just I don't see them doing what they did last year. I really don't. The other teams that were in the playoffs, I, I think this is the year where we kind of run it back a little bit more. Where I'm still, it's still kind of the same teams. I think the Packers will be back there, and I've mentioned those other teams. The, the continuity of those those playoff teams from last year, I don't think we'll see as much of a turnover as we do in normal years. That's what makes the NFL great. We see a ton of turnover in the playoffs this year. Uh, it's going to be familiar faces. I, I believe that. Um, a couple underrated, overrated. I've got the Broncos as overrated. I I, I just think there's. We just don't know yet, and there's been a lot of hype, especially in the fantasy world. Guys like Noah Fant and Cortland Sutton and even Melvin Gordon being signed there. I'm just not as high on the Broncos, uh, unfortunately. We'll see what Drew Locke can do. He just hasn't proven it yet. Uh, Underrated, I think Atlanta's underrated. I think the Rams are actually underrated. Let's not forget, they were in the Super Bowl a couple years ago. I'm not ready to give up on Sean McVay. They should have somewhat of a bounce-back year. And then, like I said earlier, I think the Vikings are underrated. They could go to the Super Bowl. I think the Bengals will be better, but they're overrated. Let's see what Joe Burrow can do. I, to, to assume that A.J. Green comes back and is healthy and is a top receiver again, 
it's going to be tough. It's going to be tough with a rookie quarterback. Maybe he'll surprise me, but I think they're overrated. I think the Dolphins are overrated too. As much as we all love Brian Flores and we were impressed with what the Dolphins did last year to even beat the Patriots, to win five games, I just don't think they did enough yet to get really that much more improved and to win many more games this year. Maybe they win six, which would be an improvement, but I I think there's just a level of overrated talk about them, uh, especially with thinking that Tua's going to come in. I think he'll be a quarterback that if he does pop, it will be much later this season, especially with Ryan Fitzpatrick starting the year at, at as the starter. Um, so, uh, yeah, they're a little overrated to me. All right, last thing as we wrap things up on this NFL prediction special, preview special on Unpacking It. I always love talking about broadcasting. So, going into the year, my rankings for the best broadcast teams. It's Jim Nance and Tony Romo. Jim Nance, I, I've met personally, and so I like him. He's the best. Uh, and then I love Romo. I think he's been so good as the, the, the just bursting onto the scene as a color commentator. So they're my favorite duo to listen to uh, right there behind them. It's almost 1A, 1B is Al Michaels and Chris Collinsworth, Michelle Tafoya. I love the NBC broadcast from start to finish. I love their pregame with Tony Dungy and all the elements that NBC has Sunday night. It was great to have them on Thursday night. So I'll put them as as number two. Uh, I love Kevin Harlan as a play-by-play guy. Uh, it'll be fun to hear Charles uh, Davis going from Fox to CBS this year. I'll be listening for him. Uh, I also like uh, Kevin Burkhart on Fox. He's a great play-by-play guy. So I'll be listening for him. Uh, Brock Heward is a former guest uh, you'll be hearing him more on Fox. Also, Mark Slareth is a former guest. You'll be hearing him on Fox more this year. He's actually done a really nice job sliding into the NFL booth, having been a studio analyst for a long time with ESPN. Uh, hopefully, we'll get him back on the show this fall. So, uh, just a couple of thoughts there. And then, with Monday Night Football making the change, I like Steve Levy. I like Lewis Riddick. It's a head-scratcher with Brian Greasy. He's the third guy in the booth. I'm, I'm not sure you need three guys in the booth. Maybe on Monday Night Football it's okay. I'm glad they replaced Booger McFarlane. I think he'll do a nice job in the studio, and we'll still see a lot of him. He, he's, he's not a bad broadcaster. He's a good broadcaster. Just in the booth on Monday Night Football, it wasn't the right fit. Steve Levy. To me, he's an ESPN Sports Center anchor. Like That's how I know him. I grew up watching him, so I like him. As a play-by-play guy, college football is what he's done. So we're, we're used to his voice doing, you know, doing football. Uh, we'll see. We'll see if it, if it makes sense for Monday Night Football. I'm rooting for him. I think he'll be fine. Lewis Riddick is excellent. I think he'll – I love his insight. I, I think his personality is somewhat calm and uh, thoughtful. So how will that sound in the booth? It'll, it'll be refreshing. I'm not sure that Brian Greasy balances it out with some big personality, though. I think Brian Greasy's kind of standard, cookie cutter. For, so for Monday Night Football, uh, just surprising. When I think of Brian Greasy, I think of Michigan, and I think of him calling college football games. I understand he's got the chemistry with Steve Levy, which there is value to that, but I, I don't know. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure that that was the, the home run hire. 
I'll give him a chance. I got nothing wrong with Brian Greasy. He just doesn't move the needle a ton for me. It's not like I'm going to tune in to hear what, oh, I can't wait to hear what Brian Greasy says tonight. Whereas John Gruden, when he was in the booth, he was entertaining. You never knew what he was going to say. In my opinion, they just they paired John Gruden with Sean McDonough, and that was the problem there. Mike Tirico and John Gruden was a great that was a great pair. So I wish that was still the case, actually. So there, there are a few thoughts. If you have any questions about uh, broadcasters, I love talking about media. And so if you stuck around for the end, uh, you got some insight on because uh, I'm watching games. I like I watch the red zone, so I'll be watching all the different games. So I hear all the broadcasters, which is fun for me. Uh, especially on Sundays from 1 to 7. Here we go. This Sunday, YouTube TV, Red Zone, let's go. I'll be watching my Panthers as well. Panthers, I think they can win six games this year. I think Teddy will be nice. He'll be a nice player. And, of course, McCaffrey back there lighting it up. It's going to be fun. So thanks for listening to the Unpacking It podcast. Encourage you to check out unpackingit.com. Sign up for the weekday email devotional. Uh, You can also... Uh, join us if you'd like to find out more about the Unpacked Lunch. Also, Fantasy Football Fellowship. You can go to fantasyfootballfellowship.com. As always, I'm Bryce Johnson. I'm a sports fan who follows Jesus. I believe in the good news that he died on the cross for my sin. He was resurrected, and through faith, I have been saved by his grace. I hope that is true for you as well, and I hope you'll join me as we live life as sports fans who follow Jesus together. Enjoy the weekend. NFL is back. We'll talk all about it this Monday right here on the Unpacking It podcast. For more information about the show, our events, and other resources, visit unpackingit.com. That's U-N-P-A-C-K-I-N-I-T.com. We hope you are encouraged, inspired, and challenged by what you heard today. To support our show and Unpacking It Ministries with a financial gift, visit unpackingit.com slash donate. We look forward to unpacking sports, faith, and life with you again next week. 